Dialogic Disciple is an invitation to explore discipleship in dialogue with the world as disciples of the word. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Dialogic Disciple podcast. My name is James Johnson and I'm here with my co-host Elizabeth Shaby. Elizabeth, we have a very special guest in the studio today, Reverend Angela House. Hey! In the house. How Angela's doing, in the Angela? house. Yes. <laughs> I'm good. How yeah. are you all? We're doing great. How is your Christmas going since we're still in the season of yes, Christmas? Yes, we are. Today is what, the 12th, 11th day of Christmas? 11th. Is it? No. Is it 10th? 8th. I think it might be. Are we Lord's leaping? <laughs> <laughs> we don't even know what day of Christmas we it don't. is. We don't. All right. But we know it's, it's still tenth. Christmas. The it's tenth. the 10th. Okay. We, all right. We are Lords yes. a-leaping today. How Lords is your... How's Christmas how is your, going? Yeah. It is going well. Good. We've been in a, a season of growth in this Christmas season. Okay. Oh. And so uh, it's going well. Okay. Excellent. Got everything I wanted for Christmas, which was... A healthy husband. Look at that. Uh, yes. Amen. Praise the Lord. And, and and for life, health, and strength in another day. That's so. fantastic. That's mm-hmm. fantastic. Um, but Christmas has been going pretty well. So this has been it's been a good Christmas, I good. think. So looking forward to to moving into um, Epiphany and Ooh, and yes. all of that. But uh, Christmas has been good. And it's a new year. So it is happy a new, new year. year as happy well. New Year. Do you have any 20. New Year's resolutions you want to share? You know what? I do not. Okay. I'm, I, <laughs> no, praise the Lord. I love it. I I'm love just going to be honest. Yes. 2023 was not the best. <laughs> I don't know if okay. anybody else feels yep. like that. Yep. But it was it was rough. We had mountains and we had valleys. Yes. And I felt like we were in the valley a lot more than we were on yes. the mountaintop. Mm. And so we are just grateful. And so in 2024, we are praying for God's blessings right. upon us. Well, that's good. Love it. And receiving um, just peace from God. Excellent. And what it also means to trust God. That's where. That's really good. Yeah. Angela Renee House is living. Our Lent devotional actually is going to be dealing with uh, blessed blessedness and peace and things like that. So, okay. so hopefully that'll be uh a good guide along like the way the to 2024. Yes, yeah. the oh, yes. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. I yep, shared a secret. No, 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 no. We've been emptying out for Le- for Advent, and so we're going to talk about blessing and being filled for for Lent. Okay, yes. come on. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we're getting close to the end here of our devotional, and we've been talking about kenosis and emptying and. One of the things, Angela, you mentioned you want to talk about today, um, and that we. Uh, I think still need to kind of wrap our minds around is what does it really mean to be empty? Mm-hmm. Uh, we've, you know, we've been talking about this since we started Advent weeks ago, um, but we're still, we're still trying to get our heads around it, I think, and try to get our hearts in the right place when it comes to emptying. So I'll throw the question out to you two uh, as we begin our conversation today. What does it really mean to be empty? So first of all, let me say um, this devotional, I don't know if people listening have not read it but I hope that you go back and read it Let, let's start there because it, it really is good for your soul it it challenges you with the questions I know that on social media um, you all have been asking questions yeah. in reference to the devotion I know that people do not respond because you you challenge them in their thought process <laughs> okay um, but I did take some notes on um on on just the devotion and the and the questions and um one of the things that uh I did want to talk about was what it truly means to be empty and I feel like um 
in this season, I'm going to speak personally about my husband and I. So I said, you know, 2023 was rough. And I felt like God was pruning us um, and emptying us out uh, till all we had to do was trust him. Yeah. Um, It felt like um, I can't be comfortable. It is uncomfortable (laughs) that that's where I felt like we have been living in and um, having to open yourself up and really trust God. You know, at my young age, in my 30s, I'll leave it at that. Um, (laughs) You know, you trust God, but when you have to give God everything that you have. Yeah, yeah. And say, God, I truly just trust you. Mm -hmm. I trust what you're doing in my life. I don't see anything. I don't, it's it's out of my control. And that's how I have felt um, pretty much all last year. And so as we were reading the challenging questions, you know, and the different stories that have been written in this devotional, you know, you look at the people who have made sacrifices and emptied themselves out and you're like, wow, because you're reading about somebody else, right? Right, right. You're like, wow, (laughs) I can't believe this person did this for so long and was a widow or, you know, lived this type of life and followed all of these traditions. And then you, you look at God or you look around and you say, I couldn't do it. Right. Right. right, And then you find yourself, or like myself, I found myself just saying, God, I just trust you. And so I have to give everything that I have to you. I want that control. You know, I have wanted for six months to control the narrative that my husband did not have seizures. Right. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to just, just take it all back saying, you know, to the doctors, no, he didn't have a seizure. Right. You misdiagnosed him, right. you know? Yeah. And so right now and in this season, it just feels like everything I have, I truly have to give it to God. Yeah. Um, and we are going through just some personal things in our lives and just really living it out or trying to live out what it means to empty yourself. And yeah. so for our house household <laughs> we have we have really just tried to reflect on giving yourself emptying yourself out yeah. to god and so that has been a struggle mm-hmm. um i wrote down different um places that i need to empty myself and try on a daily basis and first it is i first thing i wrote was negative thoughts yeah yeah. Of uh, you know, if I just start each day being grateful, yeah, and not worrying about what could go wrong, mm. and then mm. that's, that, I mean, that's, that's real. That's a real thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, how to empty myself from worry? Yeah. Um, I think if you uh, figure that one out, let me know. Yeah. Oh, come on, somebody! <laughs> you know, worrying about all the things that I cannot change and yeah. everything that is out of my control, and then emptying myself. One of the things that we have been learning in this season is uh, relationships, mm-hmm. and you know, all relationships are not good. Yeah, mm, mm-hmm. that's a word. Mm-hmm. Uh, but mm-hmm. um, how do you empty yourselves and and let yourself go and really? give yourself to God. Yeah. And so that's what we have been reflecting on. And so I just want to say this devotional for this season in this Advent season has been great for my soul. Good. So thank you for all of your hard work that you all have placed into it. I appreciate that. And Mm -hmm. I'm glad, I'm glad to hear that it's been helpful and and edifying. Mm -hmm. I think you, you hit on a bunch of things 
uh, that the devotional hits on, but that also just come up in our in our daily lives as disciples. I mean, the first thing that came to my mind as you were talking was, you know, it's easy to trust God when everything's going well. Mm-hmm. And then when things aren't, uh, that's when the real faith steps in. One of the reasons why I love writing these devotionals and reading scripture in general is trying to put myself in the same headspace as some of these characters that we read about and these people who who had that kind of faith and, and emptied themselves and did those kinds of things. I'm trying to figure out exactly how Mary and Elizabeth kind of felt, you know, in that mm-hmm. moment, because I'm sure they felt some of the same things that, that you've talked about. Uh, and that, that I've experienced. Mm-hmm. Um, and you think about all the great heroes of the faith. You could you read chapter uh, chapter 11 of Hebrews, right? And, and read through all of those people. And it's easy, I guess, easy to, like you just said, like that's somebody else. It's easy to read about that and be inspired by somebody else. I wonder if it would be helpful. I've never thought about doing this before, but I wonder if it would be helpful to, as a spiritual practice to sit down and kind of write your own story in third person. Like the story of Angela or the story mm-hmm. of James, oh, interesting. and write it in such a way as as to be able to go back and read it, and reflect on it, and, and and see where God has moved and been present. Hmm. Kind of read it as somebody else's story and see if that helped to. Yeah, you know, I don't know. I've, I've never even thought about doing that before. I don't know. No, I mean, we I should th- try that. Yeah. yeah, I feel like I've I've heard that in the form like from my therapist from in in, in the form of if your life's a movie. Right, and you're watching it. What are you cheering the character on to do? Yeah, you know, or what do you see as the oh, best? Yeah, that's good. Yeah, the best thing for the character, you know, or what are all the characters' friends saying that the character is not listening to? Mm. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I have not heard that. Yeah. But what happens if I like all the villains in the movies, though? Right. Mm. Then uh, we got. We should probably stay in that room with the therapist and just keep working through that. <laughs> The villains are always help. the best characters. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> you need good. to go twice a week instead of just once. <laughs> right. Maybe That's three funny. times. <laughs> as many times as it takes. Maybe just don't leave. Just, yeah. stay, just stay there. It would be interesting, though, to write something about yourself yeah. and the ways that you look at your life. Yeah. Because life is hard mm-hmm. for all of us at some point. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and and life does challenge us and it also makes us grow into places and spaces where it is uncomfortable. Yeah. And so I think maybe I will do that in a, as a self-reflection. Yeah. You know, the way you were talking, Angela, about, about what's been going on in your life and the way that you have felt about last year, um, I can still, I still sense in your words and your language, uh, and in your, the way that you're expressing yourself, the presence of God, like you recognize the presence of God, even in this like pruning event, as you Mm -hmm. called it. Um, are you familiar with uh, uh, the Dark Night of the Soul? Have you have you are you familiar with that concept at all? I'm not. It's something that we looked at a few years ago, I think, during the season of Lent. But it's this idea that as we get closer to God, there there comes a moment when when God is is working so hard to to kind of burn away ourself and get us out of the way that there comes a moment when we feel. Like God isn't there. there. There's a moment. It's actually when we're closest to God, but we feel as though we are alone. Uh, and it, it's kind of reflective of the moment where Jesus is hanging on the cross and he's crying out to God, you know, my God, my God, why have mm-hmm. you forsaken me? Um, and anytime I hear someone describe a, a struggle that they're going through, but they talk about it in, in the way that, that God, they still clearly understand and, and know that God is present in those things. It reminds me of that for some reason. It just reminds me of this idea that just because we feel like we're alone doesn't mean we are. And in fact, it it might mean that we're closer to God than we've ever been. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's 
insightful or not. But anyway, that's what I, I it's kind of, sort of what popped in my head as you were talking. It's definitely, uh, well, it strikes me as a, a very retrospective sort of thing. It's a lot easier to look back and see the God woven into the storyline than it is to be in the middle of it, which I guess that that's where the whole, right, write yeah. the story, think of, you know, trying to take yourself out of it. I guess that's where that's helpful. Because uh, the thing I've been thinking about in relation to emptiness is, is it all the same? Is it all, is all of that emptiness always God-centered? Or is it, is there some suffering, some emptiness that isn't right and so how do you know which one is and which one isn't you know it's in that in that moment of going through that hard thing is this really a good I don't know is, is where is God in that and is it is it emptiness in the way we're talking about it as a positive thing I'm being emptied for God even though it doesn't feel good maybe the difference between being uncomfortable and suffering I'm not really sure that's kind of I don't yeah. have an answer I've been playing with that in my head well, and you have to ask yourself, does God really want us to sit and decipher? Is it uncomfortability or is it suffering? We're just feeling all of it, right? Yeah. 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 And so maybe we're just supposed to grow from it. Yeah. Right. I don't know. But yeah. uh, to sit and take different situations and say, is this suffering or am I just uncomfortable? I don't know. You know, yeah. I, it's hard for me to ask those questions because... You know, I really just want to trust and yeah. And, um, yeah. and be a better disciple. You yeah. know, yeah, I feel absolutely. like I'm mm-hmm. uh, a str- struggle every day. But yeah. So maybe that's the question. Maybe that's the better question is how can this, how is this, how will this help me be a better disciple? So even if it doesn't feel good, whether it's suffering, uncomfortable, any of those things, it's more about how to, how do I turn myself toward God in this? What am I learning? What maybe? am I learning? Yeah. Yeah, because I think you know, I don't, Elizabeth. I don't know if this gets to what you're saying or not, but I don't think we want to say. And I mean, I definitely don't think that we want to say that it's not that God is causing suffering in our life. Like it's not that God is doing the activity mm-hmm. of of causing suffering. And there may be times when mm-hmm. God is in the disciplinarian mode, uh, for sure. But God allows things to happen to us. Um, but it's not. It's not as though God is causing suffering to us. Um, and yet it's in the suffering that we learn how to trust and have faith. So it, it's, it's definitely something that shapes us and disciplines us. Um, and whether that's just being uncomfortable or whether it's suffering, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, th- th- you know, you don't, have to, you don't have to be a Christian to believe that life is suffering. That's the first principle of Buddhism right there. You know? right. And it's something that we all, like you said, we all encounter uh, at different times in our life at different intensities. Uh, and we learn different things each time, I think. Yeah. We learn a lot about who we are when we Ooh, that That yeah. is a word, learning who you are. Yeah. Um, I think if you've lived, I, I can only speak for myself, I've lived a life where I've felt like I've been a privileged person. Yeah. Um, I've come from a two-parent household. I've come from, I feel like, great people. Yeah. And they've they've taught me everything that they know about life. And so they put and instilled great values in me. And so living again in my thirties, I feel like I'm just learning some deep life lessons. And, and my parents have always taught me that people grow up differently from you. Um, But to actually, now that I have a husband, he, he grew up different from me and 
I did not realize that about people that everybody does not come from the same yeah. background that you come from. And so when two become one, mm-hmm. uh, it, it becomes some of your background, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and so you, that's where God has placed us is we're learning a lot about each other. Yeah. Um, we've gone through some heartaches, like I said, from last year and then, um, the biggest thing about us, if I can kind of share a personal, Absolutely, but not yeah. too deep. If, if you, if you're willing to, yeah, we'd love that. Right. So we, we have been really having some challenges with my wonderful mother-in-law. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Give a shout out for mother-in-law. <laughs> there is somebody on who will be listening to this, who feels and loves their mother-in-law. I truly, I truly do love mine. Um, but we are just having some various challenges uh, with her yeah. Yeah. in this season of life. And after Stephen had these seizures, you know, um, she lives near us, yeah. but she did not come and help us. Oh. Um, and so that has been a challenge for me because, like I stated, I grew up differently. And so my parents are currently retired. So if I call them right now They'd and I here. said they will possible. be here yeah. because they are Johnson's and yeah. James, right. I know that I, they, s- right. I met your parents. Yes. During our yeah, yeah, yeah. I know they said they are your cousins. So, um, but <laughs> they would, fun. yes, <laughs> they would come. And so having that expectation, you know, that my mother-in-law lives down the street from us, I just expected because yeah. that's what my parents would yeah. do that she would come and help her own son. And unfortunately, um, we've had to live through that. And that's been very painful for my husband to experience. And what does that mean as we move forward? How how do we live that through um, having a good relationship with her? And then, you know, we want to be good stewards of God and good disciples. Um, So that's where we put... um, having to empty ourselves out from that negative worrying and negative thoughts and worrying, you know, are we good children of hers? Well, he's the actual son. I'm just a a daughter-in-law. I might not not be that good, but you know, it's, it's those things when you are going through different situations in your life, you actually just have to humble yourself and, and really truly empty yourself and say, God help me. Right. I have no one else to call on, but you God. And so that's what we've been living through. And so, you know, we've spent some evenings in in this devotion crying because it's it's been hard yeah and definitely you know you think about the characters who are actually people um, who encounter jesus and you think about mary and joseph and you say again if they can make it through it we can make it through it but it's hard because there's so much technology now, you know, their cars, <laughs> yeah, right, we can, right. we can get to things and people quicker than they did. I think yeah. about, you know, just the story of, uh, Jesus in the temple and yeah, Mary uh-huh. and Joseph, not even recognizing that he was <laughs> yeah. gone. Right. You know, Whereas today you just like call your kid. Like, right. Hey, where are you at? Get back, get in, get, 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 get in the car. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's, you know, it's just different times. Yeah, yeah. And so I feel like we live with, a, in a lot of worry. Yes. Um, anxiety. A lot of anxiety that God does not want us to live in. And so I think that's what we are working on. Like I've stated is just trying to empty ourselves before the Lord. I appreciate you sharing that because I think, you know, one of the things that you said 
um, before is is one of the things you want to empty yourself out of. And I think I think you and I, Elizabeth, would agree with this too, is the negative thoughts. And I think a lot of times we say that, and it's like a cliche. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. everyone wants that. We want to stop thinking negatively and think positively. But what your story kind of embodies is that negative thoughts always come connected to people and things and situations. They're not just like general negative thoughts, right? right. They're, they're mm-hmm. always negative thoughts about someone or something. Uh, and it's it's important to to be able to talk specifically about those things mm-hmm. and be able to say like this is this is not just that I'm a negative person. It's that there are situations in my life that are causing me the anxiety and the worry that are causing me to have these kind of negative thoughts. And being able to offer that up to God in the way that you you've talked about, I think, is a, a key way that we empty ourselves. When we empty ourselves of these things, we're giving them to God, mm-hmm. right? It's not just like throwing them on the floor uh, mm-hmm. necessarily, right? Yeah. Yeah, and asking God to help us figure out how to respond to those things. Yes. Mm-hmm. How do we change those patterns of response, or how do I think about that person differently? And that takes time. That's hard. Yeah. That's not something that happens overnight. And it's not something that automatically occurs to me to do, right? Because you're just in that moment, and you're having that feeling. Yeah. And yeah. And it's so challenging. It yeah. really is. Yeah. So thank you all for hearing pieces, <laughs> pieces of our, our lives. <laughs> So, well, yes. two of the characters um, that we that we look at during the twelve days of Christmas are Anna and Simeon, and one of the things that as I was kind of reading back through the devotional um, as we were doing the recording for these, uh, something that I I guess never really jumped out to me before uh, that just came to me as I was reading my own writing about a scripture passage that I've read a thousand times probably, and that's what I love about the Bible always something new. Um, but the fact that Anna and Simeon are, are of advanced age and that they, are, they come and approach Jesus as a baby. And there is this, there's this stark juxtaposition between this little baby and these two older people who are, who take Jesus into their arms and like they're, they're praising God and they're, they're declaring prophecies and things like that. And I, I thought maybe we could spend a couple minutes talking about, uh, what that might say about, uh, older folks in our congregation or older folks that are in our lives, um, what that might say about the relationship between youth and, and old age. You know, I, I'm not sure exactly where I want to go with this, but um, I want to just kind of float that idea out there to you guys and, and see what, what might come out. I, I guess what I'm hearing is that this idea that it's the older folks who see yes. and who recognize Jesus as this Messiah character, it's this wisdom that's speaking over that. Yeah, which in itself is pretty cool. I don't. Th- I think we don't generally listen to older people as much as we should. Right. Um, they would tell you that. Right. <laughs> I mean, right. How many times? Yeah. How many conversations did I have with my grandparents growing up where they were just like, "If you just listen to me, I can help you get through this." <laughs> that's true. And you're like, "Nah, I got this. I'm good. Yeah. Thanks, though. You don't know anything." <laughs> and. And I would say that I'm I'm still making it. I I I feel like I'm still the the woman I am continuing to become because I had a praying grandmother. Oh, absolutely, right? yes, uh, yes. Um, so my grandmother, uh, great grandmother, lived until she was 102. Wow. And had a lot of wisdom. Yeah. Only had an eighth grade. Uh, education. Wow. But was able to teach me so many life lessons. Yeah. And I think 
when you ask about the church, I think we miss that. There's a huge mm-hmm. gap that we have because I think um, our older, or I call them seasoned folks. See, I like you that. Know, That's good. Yeah. They, mm-hmm. They've lived in all seasons uh-huh. and they, yeah. you know, they help us to grow in our wisdom. But um, I feel like they have a lot to teach us, yeah. um, but they feel unheard yes. and unseen. And we remember as young people when we felt unheard uh-huh. and uh-huh. unseen. And so I think you have two groups that's, that yeah, have a good. lot of similarities, but they're never united. Yeah. And I am reminded that almost each week here at Northside, we baptize a child. Yeah. And Dr. Bill walks the child down the aisle mm-hmm. and we um, commit as a congregation to raise this child up. Um, but typically we are just speaking words. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. And so what does that mean for our church, yeah. um, for our children, for our youth uh, and for our seasoned folks? Because one day we will be seasoned. Yeah. Uh, And how do we, I want to say, bridge the gap Mm -hmm. um, so that we are creating partnerships, relationships, because like Simeon and Anna, they came to Jesus. Yeah. Um, And I'm sure they didn't just come to Jesus. They came to other children. Yeah. And the parents allowed that um, and allowed that relationship. Yeah, that's good. Mm hmm. That's good. In a lot of ways, uh, echoes what Jesus himself says when he says, you know, let the little children come to me. And here it is. He's the little child and they're com- oh, and the older yeah. folks are still coming to him. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. I think a lot of that has to do with uh, something you said, Elizabeth, like they have the wisdom and they can see they're, they recognize something in Jesus that nobody else that's there in the temple does. Right. There are, everyone's just bustling, going back and forth, doing their thing. Nobody realizes that's the son of God that's right there in front of you. That's Jesus Christ. That's that is the Messiah in baby form. Right. Uh, and they're just going about their business or whatever. And Anna, you get the sense that Anna and Simeon are at the temple like every day. They're always there. They are committed to this. They are faithful. They are disciples. faithful, right? Yeah. <laughs> so not only not only do they have the wisdom to see, but they're putting themselves in the place where they can see when it does happen. Uh, and I think there's there's so much there's so much that we can learn from their their the model that they give us, the example they give us, and bridging that gap between the. I, I love what you just said about the. The idea that this is two groups of people who don't feel seen or heard uh, and figuring out how to put that together, I think, would generate these kinds of like ecstatic kind of fantastic worshipful moments that we see in the stories of Anna and Simeon. Right. I mean, what would it what would it mean? What would mm. it look like? I mean, what, what does it mean to see the image of God in every child that we baptize here and to know that we have a role to play, that we make a vow to play a role in shaping those children. Yes. It's and that's not just something you do on a Sunday morning. It's, it's something that you now you've committed yourself to till that kid is no longer a kid. Maybe the rest of the kid's life. Well, yeah. I mean, it's that whole redefined family thing that John talks about a lot. You know, it's got the new family of God. And what does it mean to see, see these people that walk in these doors around us in our church family, like we would see our own blood, Mm. You know, the kids, the older people, you know, like each one of them are your parents. I don't yeah. know. I mean, that's it's a heavy. That's a heavy thing. It is heavy. It's giving me chills <laughs> just to think about. <laughs> but yeah. it's true, right? I mm-hmm. mean, that's what a church is. If we could start thinking about church like that, instead of like just a place we come to worship on Sunday morning, that it's actually yeah. a community of people that we have voluntarily 
vowed to be in relationship with as a family, that these children are our children and that these parents are our parents. Right. These are our grandparents. These are our parents. These are mm-hmm. our brothers and sisters. Yeah. I think if we could, of course, that takes a level of being able to get out of the way, empty ourselves. Emptying. Yeah. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. And vulnerability, I think, that we just don't, we're just not very good at embodying. I would agree with that. <laughs> because it, think about a child who is crying yeah. in church or on an airplane. That's probably even better. You mm-hmm. know, you're an adult uh, regardless of their age is just looking like this is getting to be a bit much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. the mom or dad is patting the back or patting that baby or asking the toddler, please be still. Um, and they're getting tired. Yeah, they yeah. are. Um, but what would it look like for that seasoned person or that adult to go over and help yeah. that person? Yeah. If they're crying oh, yeah. in the pews, uh-huh. you know, pass me the baby. I'm yeah. not going anywhere with your baby. I <laughs> right. know <it's>, right <laughs> people here, have right? trust issues yeah, these yeah, days, that's but that's what it means to be a family. Yeah, let right. mother, m- let mama have a break. That's right. Let daddy have a break and y'all just be, yeah. um, be yeah. together and, um, and we don't do that as much as we should. Man, that would be interesting. Like, Angela, you just gave me an idea. This would never <laughs> work. This would never work. But like, <laughs> man, I don't know. Like, uh, we uh, one of the things I love that we've done here at Northside over the past couple of years is we, we invite children into the service. We want them to be part of it. And I think that's great. I think that, that that's something that was laid on the hearts of the, the leadership here. And I think it's something that's, that's, that's bore a lot of fruit. Um, but what would it look like for when the parents come in with their kids that maybe they're not, they don't have to be responsible for their kids in the service? Like other people, older people <laughs> actually yeah. took them and was like, oh, you know, we'll go over here and be with them over here. Or, you know, like it wouldn't even have to be the same people every Sunday. I don't even know right. what that looks like. I don't even know. You sure can exactly. call them church grandparents. Yes. Yeah. Right? Okay. Yes. Yeah. Because I have I have church mothers. Yeah. yeah. People who yes. just just have reared me within the church, yeah. um, and even going through confirmation, I'm getting excited yeah. thinking about this yeah. because <laughs> I remember when I was in eighth grade um, at my United Methodist Church in Greenville, I had Miss Jones, mm-hmm. and she was my confirmation mentor. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And I know I don't know if we still do that here at Northside or if we do things like that, yeah. but your mentor would walk alongside you yes. in the journey, cool. and yeah. you got to pick your mentor mm-hmm. and y'all had to go to lunch and do different yeah. um just ways to hold each other accountable as you grew in your faith as yeah. an eighth grader and i um, love miss jones she is she has dementia yeah. but she knows who i am yeah. and so she's in her 80s wow. and i still try to reach out to her during That's the holiday awesome. season and so what would it look like yeah. if these uh church grandparents uh-huh yeah, I mean, okay. that would be such an easy way. I mean, mm-hmm. Easy, you may not the word, but it would be a, a way that you could fulfill the vow that you make when we baptize these babies. You know, you were talking about mentors. Um, the church that I worked at when I was in Oxford, Mississippi, they, they did confirmation, I think it, in sixth or seventh grade, but they did the mentor thing. Mm-hmm. And we had kids coming through confirmation whose mentor was uh, had been mentored by that kid's grandparents or something like that. So there's like generations of mentorship happening there. Yeah, it was was insane. It was so cool. It was so cool to see the, you know, like you mentored me, now I'm gonna mentor, like the, just the ripple effect Mm -hmm. of that. And I think mentor, Mm -hmm. like that's something else that even for adults, like we all need that. We have to, we have to have, like every Timothy needs a Paul 
You have to have, you know, every Mary needs an Elizabeth. Right? You have to on. have a mentor. You have to have somebody who's who's walked the path, mm-hmm. that a voice that you can listen to and trust. I know a lot of the older folks, seasoned folks in our in our congregation could fulfill that role in a very meaningful way for anybody in this church. Yeah. Um, let's get yeah, it started. Let's do it. Let's do it. Adopt a grandparent. Yeah. Adopt a church grandparent. <laughs> Love it. Mm-hmm. That's such a great idea. You can have Atlanta grandparents because many of many of um, the folks who attend church here, they're not from here, yeah. and so their parents uh, live e- elsewhere. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's has a great idea. Okay, <laughs> let's let's <laughs> let's work on that. Yeah. If All you right. are feeling called to help yes. us work on that, yeah. shoot us an email. Give yeah. us a call. Let us know. <laughs> Before we wrap up, I wanted to say, Angela, you inspired me talking about how you and your husband are doing the devotional together. Um, as you were talking, I'm reflecting on just how important it is to have another voice. I mean, and like another person there that you can kind of like throw things back and forth with and just how, how incredibly valuable and essential that is as we do the, I mean, you know, I think we can get a lot praying and, you know, just talking to God, but you know, having other people around us and this goes back to the whole mentorship that can kind of check us or jog us or nudge us, I think is really essential and powerful. So thank you for sharing that. That's really, that's inspiring. So thank you. Thank you. I think community is important and we always yeah. need someone um, to to study God's word with, to go back and forth with, because, again, we're walking those different paths and those different journeys. And we all look at God a little bit differently, yeah. Yeah. Uh, depending on our situation. And so Stephen has helped me um, reflect because I feel like he's been the patient, right? He really has been, and I have been his Uber driver. <laughs> but we praise God, I'm no longer his Uber praise driver, God. and so I've emptied, <laughs> I've emptied myself out as an Uber driver. Are, did you get five stars from him, or no? Most, <laughs> most days I got two because he had to tell me, oh. "Do not hit the curb," or "You're driving too slow," you oh know. Goodness. So, so yes, it it is good to be in the word and, and and the devotional has been good for us. So again, I want to challenge our friends who have not yet opened the good book, God's (laughs) word, as well as this devotional to go and read it and just spend time, um, with friends or with their partner, uh, just studying it and reading and, and reflecting on the questions. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's a good word. Well, Angela, thank you so much for joining thank us today. All. Elizabeth, delightful. thank you as always. Uh, and Northside, thank you so much for listening, and we'll uh, see you next time. Peace.